Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Right Way to Mother, where I explore the intersection of art and motherhood. And today's conversation is with Ashley Andre, author of one of the most celebrated debuts in 2021, The Push. I feel like I'm really late to the game. Um, because I got a feeling that many of you have seen it on social media or on whatever you source your news from. The push was literally everywhere. It was on the New York Times bestselling list for weeks. You know, week after week, it was just not coming down. <laughs> it was just that good.、Um, it was a novel about motherhood. It raises questions like, what happens when we don't form a connection with our children? Ooh, some really really dark stuff. And the novel was sold in over twenty countries. And when it comes to the screenwriter, you know many people have lined up to bid. And guess who eventually won the bid? Dang 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 dang! Take a guess. David Heyman. Oh my God! I don't know if you know David Heyman.、Um, he's actually known for, you know, not a big deal. The Harry Potter films, A Marriage Story. Well, which like let's take a pause here.、A、marriage Story is, I think, on Netflix. If I'm not mistaken, is one of the films I watched that gave me so many chills. It's it's quite painful to watch. I think for maybe people who are on the fence of if they want to get married or if they believe in the institution. Um,、uh, yeah, that that film might not be the best time for you to watch that. But for people who are on the fence of, you know, not a happy marriage, if they wanted to get a divorce, that might be, <laughs> that might be the the film to watch because after you watch it, you might not get a divorce.、Um, so another movie is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, do any of those films ring a bell? I'm pretty sure、uh, it did. Anyway, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to how David Hemmings is gonna bring Ashley's. Novel: The Push to Life. And the interesting thing is, we actually recorded this episode back in April 2021, last year. Oh wow! Speaking out loud, I just I just realized it's been just about a year.、Um, so the idea of the right way to mother just came to me. During his infancy, and I had infant son, so you know I didn't know what to do with the conversation. I didn't know how to pursue it further, to conceptualize it, to execute it better. So I kind of like just put on hold.、Um, I wrote about this process. If you are interested, give it a read. You can head to our Substack. Some shameless promotion here.、Uh, the title is "I Shook Hands with an Idea,"、um, and、uh, back to the push. It was actually one of the books really pushed me. See what I'm doing here, <laughs> and、uh, you know to write more. So writing was actually the only way carry me through those really dark and difficult times of early motherhood. So I really grateful for Ashley for writing this book, and.、Uh, Ashley, as a mother, as a writer, her her story is also very fascinating, because her story may seem like an overnight success as a debut writer, a novelist, and she just kind of pop up nowhere. But we all know overnight success just doesn't exist. For so many years, Ashley was working as the publicist director at Penguin Canada alongside. Many amazing and brilliant writers. She has read so many different books from across different genres. Yeah, so we're definitely gonna unpack how she finally kind of come out of that shadow and, you know, decided to write. And to give you a little bit hint or spoil alert that、um, writing the poetry was more like an urgency than anything. And as a mother. You know, her son was actually diagnosed at two weeks、uh, with some chronic illness. So, on top of those very difficult early motherhood days, she had to go through that. So, she shared that experience during our conversation. 
Anyway, this is a very, very beautiful conversation. I'm sure I will revisit multiple times in the future, and I hope you will enjoy、exactly. it as well. It's so nice, yeah, and it's nice to. It, that's exactly it. It's not, it's not like a day packed full of interviews. There's been a nice slow few weeks, and so I was really looking forward to this. So yeah, thanks for your patience. It works well. Yeah, thank you. I just want to start by saying I love, love, love the、oh. book.、Um, I had so many questions、oh. for you when I was reading it, but. Because I was, you know, reading it when my son naps, I couldn't actually write down those questions for、yeah. you. So I have to remember them now, and hopefully, can pack them into yeah,、no、<laughs> into our conversation.、No um, but I think my first question for you is regarding the protagonist,、uh, the main character in the book, Blythe, because the whole book, the whole story, is actually telling through her as she's telling the story as a first person. But The interesting thing about、mm. how she narrated the the story is isn't really she telling the story to someone、mm. else or her、mm. friend or the reader even, but rather she's telling the story to her husband. Like she's asking her husband questions. She's having this, you know, almost like a dialogue that she's having with her husband that we're witnessing as readers.、Mm. Um, mm. Can you tell us why you decided to write it this way and give us a little bit introduction of what the push is about? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Blythe.、Um, Blythe just came to me so clearly when I sat down to write, and I don't think I really had much premeditation, you know, about exactly who she would be or. Exactly the journey she was going to go through,、um, but when I did sit down to write, you know, I wanted to write in the voice of someone who、um, was speaking directly to somebody else, and I think that that's what makes Blythe's voice a little different. And a little unusual is that,、um, you know, there are many books written in you know first person. We're sort of used to hearing you know the I voice,、mm-hmm. um, but Blythe is writing in that I voice specifically to her husband in this book. You know, to the father of their child, and so I and I I didn't so much consciously do that as it just sort of happened <laughs> when I sat down. But I think it was because I was trying to achieve a more intimate feel. To her voice into this novel, and、mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted this story to be right in the middle of a marriage, and not about a marriage, if that makes sense. And so I think to sort of capture being right in the middle of all of their tension and all of their sadness and you know everything they go through,、um, it just felt to me like it needed to be this conversation, you know, between the two of them. And the best way to kind of Achieve that is, you know, it is very much a one-sided conversation. It is Blythe's conversation with him, but I just felt the best way to achieve that was、um, was to really get deep into her and think about the things that she would only say to him. You know, she is not speaking to a reader. She is not speaking to anybody else. She is not speaking to this, you know, omnipresent <laughs> audience of readers. She she is. These are the things that she wants to tell him, and I I think that that's maybe what makes her feel a little different.、Um, And maybe why I was able to go deep with her, you know, go to these dark places with her,、um, yeah. So that's sort of how, how, why her voice is the way it is, and I think her story is the way it is because,、um, you know, I wanted to write about a mother who was going through the kind of experience that I feared, and I think that we all would fear as mothers. You know, she. I definitely put her through the ringer, you know, as a character. She she goes to some very dark places, and she goes through very challenging times, and she has to face things as a mother that you know we we hope that we never have to face.、Um, but I wanted, I think personally, you know, as a writer, I wanted to see what that felt like. I wanted to see what that felt like to go to those. You know the depths of the scariest, most anxious things that I could think of about being a mother,、um, and so I think that her journey is this culmination of fear, really, in a in a way,、um, you know, which I think many mothers would agree is so tied to motherhood. You know, that whole idea of fear in motherhood and the anxiety of motherhood and、um, that sort of catastrophic thinking that we don't want to have, but we often do have. You know, about our children and about ourselves and about how that journey is going to go. So that is, I think, you know, I don't know that I actually that I really understood all of this as I was writing it in the moment, but I can see that now with some hindsight. I think, yeah.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, I'm glad you mentioned about that. Actually, the 
the idea of going through the darkness when you were writing it as a writer. And um, I remember Zadie Smith actually mentioned something before mm-hmm. about um, all, almost all creativity comes from some sort of like urgency or something. And in an mm-hmm. interview, you actually talk about when writing it as a writer and later on reading it as a reader had totally complete di- different experiences. So I wonder when you were writing it, um, how, how was the process like? And was it something you felt some sort of urgency or is it what would the character to kind of go through you or was it you have to meet the character as you're writing it? So what kind of process was like? Yeah, I think, um, I think that's so true about the urgency of it. I mean, for me, um, it really did feel urgent. It felt like this burning story in me at that time. And I think it's because, you know, I I had always, you know, been a writer in some form. I mean, always written for myself and explored with fiction, but um, I hadn't felt that urgency about what I was writing, you know, until I sat down to write this. And, you know, I started writing when my son was six months old you know, my first child is six months old. And I think, um, you know, there was so much I wanted to say about motherhood. There was so much I wanted to say about what that experience was like, you know, although Blythe's journey in motherhood is very different than mine, thankfully. It, you know, it comes from those same seeds of doubt and anxiety and fear and the expectation of what it's going to be like, you know, not being anything like what it is in many ways. And I and I just remember thinking, I, I remember being so consumed with those thoughts, you know, so consumed with wanting to capture what it, what it could really, what it really was like and those thoughts that were on my mind and how much was unsaid, um, you know, how much was unsaid about what that experience is like, like, why couldn't I see, you know, some of the experience that I was having reflected in the way we speak about motherhood or, um, you know, yet some, you know, the writing about it, how we see it on screen. I mean, there's, yeah, it really. I, I was thinking a lot in those days about that. And I think that's where the urgency comes from, like just having something to say and having a story to tell. And that is, I think, why I sat down to start doing it. And it, and it, and it wasn't always this particular story. I mean, the, the plot and the structure of the push came to me quite late in the process of writing. But how it started was just scene after scene after scene of Blythe's life, you know, and of her relationship and her marriage and of her connection relationship with this child. And then it, it kind of grew from there. But, um, but yeah, I think I had never felt that, that, um, like desire to put something so specific on the page before. Like that was very new to Mm -hmm. me at that time. And, um, yeah, I, I think it was almost like I couldn't get it out fast enough. I couldn't write fast enough. I didn't, there weren't enough hours to do it. Like I could have been, you know, if I didn't have an infant, I could have been writing around the clock. Like I really felt that way. I felt mm-hmm. like it was consuming, all consuming. You know, it was the kind of feeling where, you know, I, I have this now in ways with the book I'm writing now too, but, you know, where you are meant to be focused on something else. You are meant to be, you know, present in other ways for other people and you but, but your mind is really on the book. You know, your mind is really on um, what you want to write next. And, um, the you know, I, I will catch my – I caught myself doing this all the time then and I do now too. But, you know, that that feeling when somebody says something and you can no longer listen to the rest of what they are saying because they have sparked something in you that you need to write down, you know, or, um, you know, you, you have to pull over the car to write something down because it needs to be, it needs to be a part of what you are writing and you don't want to forget it. Like it was that kind of, there was a franticness to it, I think. Um, oh, I which is kind that. of a magical um, place to be, you know, it's kind of a, it's a wonderful feeling to have. And I don't think you can always have that as a writer, but when you find it, I feel like it is, yeah, it is magical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such a kind of almost like a spiritual experience really, really interesting. And that definitely, as you said, um, a magical place mm-hmm. to be. And I know a lot of writers have a different experiences when writing novels. Some of them are, you know, meeting the novel as they go. Some of them have a very clear structure of what the novel is going to be. And then they kind of just put that on paper. Some of them have no idea where they're going. And as they're writing it, the novel is kind of like, birthing themselves through their mind almost. And it sounded like that was your experience. 
Yes, that's a great way. Um, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and I really did feel that way with this book. I felt like I had no idea where it was going. You know, I, I knew the kinds of things I wanted to write about, but I didn't have a plot. There was no, you know, sometimes I have this um, very like romantic vision of a writer having like colorful sticky notes, you know, perfectly plotted into a grid <laughs> on a wall somewhere and sort of guiding them along. And that is just so far from, I would love to get to that place one day, but that's just it was so far from the process of this book. Um, and I really, I think it was because it was more, at least in the beginning, it was really more emotionally driven. Like it was more, I just wanted to sit down and write the scene I wanted to write that day. And um, I didn't think a lot about, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to structure or put a book together. And I didn't, I don't, I don't think I had the capacity at that time to think about that, you know, being, having, you know, a little baby and going through the early days of motherhood, like that would, that, I think that almost would have been too daunting for me. I think I just needed to go with, with the, with my gut that day with writing and, and sort of explore that way. And yeah, like Blythe did evolve quite a bit, you know, through that process and her marriage evolved quite a bit. Um, certainly her daughter, like I, I didn't quite always know where the book was going. And there's something, you know, wonderful about exploring that way. And you sort of need the gift of time to be able to do that. I mean, there was no deadline. It was, I had no idea it would ever be a book or there was no, you know, you're just sort of writing for the sake of exploring, which I think is a really lovely place to be and will, will not always be that way for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that contributed to, to some of those dark places. Like I think, um, you know, you ha I hadn't made up my mind about what was going to happen to these characters. And so, yeah, it, mm -hmm. I didn't ever feel like I needed to sit down and write, you know, a dark scene where X, Y, Z happens. It was, it was more just going there more organically and a little less, um, yeah, just more, more exploratory, I think, which I, I, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier about how it felt to kind of write those dark scenes. And I won't, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read the book. So I won't go into the specifics of those scenes, but if you've read it, you know, <laughs> you know, the ones, but um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't. Unthinkable darkness. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it didn't feel that, you know, deeply emotional or upsetting or dark to write, even though I was writing about, you know, things happening to these characters and, and you know, children and I had children that age and you know but I I felt like you know when you are a writer you're in so much you you are in control over what happens in that scene you know you are in control over how that scene ends and what that feels like and the next sentence you put on the page and you know so there is this act it feels like like a very active thing to do and so at the you know you sort of go through it all and then I would sort of sit back and look and recognize that it was you know a dark scene but it didn't affect me in that same way because I was creating it, it, it it's just a different relationship I think with the emotion and what's on the page whereas you know you mentioned this but you know now the book being mm -hmm. out and having to kind of go back and refresh myself and remind myself and read some of those scenes now I find them much more emotional you know to read um, as I did to write. So I definitely get where, um, you know, I, I understand, you know, how the reader feels when they read those. But yeah, it's, it's, it was just a very different experience writing it. Yeah, than reading mm -hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like as a reader myself, um, there were a lot of times where I felt like my heart was being squeezed over and over again. Um, I was reading the book actually during my son's naps and, um, you know, in the dark room with Sam machine on with glimpse of a light. It was a perfect setting for the book. <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of like interesting because growing up, I was more a memoir and autobiography mm -hmm. type of reader. Um, I read quite few fiction because I just had this very naive and stubborn idea that fiction were fake, you know, like they're fictional, they're not real. So I like to, um, uh, this realistic uh, side of me always kind of want to embrace the idea of, you know, I wanted to read something that's real, real story, true crime mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and yeah. then it's not till like recently, I actually come to a new realization that uh, fictions are just as powerful, if not more. Um, and the characters are just as real in fictions that I think someone talked about this before, but I can't remember who um, the idea is, you know, writers created these fictional characters. They might not be as real mm -hmm. in this dimension that 
are visible to us, but they are just as real in other dimensions that we cannot see.、Um, and I think with Blythe, that definitely is the case. I felt really connected、oh, to her,、okay. even though I have a mixed kind of feeling towards her、um, with the things she has done. You know,、um, mm-hmm. so I wonder what is your relationship like with Blythe? Because you also talk about she has evolved quite a bit when you were writing it. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah.、Um, Yeah, she is very real to me as well. I mean, she I, like I definitely miss her now. You know, I miss her voice and I miss、um, being in her head. You know, as fraught as you know she is at times, and as hard as that was, you know, at times to to put her in these bad situations, it, it never. I, I yeah, I do. I miss that.、Um, I just miss her voice. Yeah, I do. And I think, you know, I definitely was. You sort of get to a point where I think. You know, you you've revised the book to death, and you've edited it for months, and you're just so happy to hand it over and be done with it, and not have to like look at it again because you've read it so many times, and you've you know debated with your editors, you know, about every last paragraph and or whatever, however you know whatever it is. But、um, yeah, so but I and so you don't I didn't miss her at first. At first, I felt like I needed to you know to to just take that break from what the book was.、Um, but now I do. I mean, now I, I miss her. Now I think now that the book is out, and you know, I'm talking more about her, and she's so she does. It, it is almost like she's come alive again.、Mm-hmm. You know, because she's alive for so many people,、um, like you said, which is really, really nice to hear.、Um, yeah, and I think that they are. You know, I think the thing with you know fictional characters, and I guess fiction in general, is that you know you sometimes I think you can find the truth in fiction more than you can in nonfiction. You know, sometimes you can find. Um, you know the truth in what somebody is thinking, or the way a character is, or that you would just you would be hard pressed to find in any kind of other writing. You know, you can go places and you can be a little more honest. I think about the human experience sometimes, and so I think that yeah, for me, I think fiction. I've always looked for that in fiction. You know, always looked for the real truth about life and what it means to have a human experience and.、Um, Relationships, and I think that's part of the beauty of fiction is how、mm-hmm. honest it can be. And so I think I think kind of looking at fiction from that perspective, and and from what you just said about it, which was so beautiful and so true about you know these people actually being real and existing in some realm, you know,、um, yeah, I think it can be. I think that's that is part of the power, you know, of fiction for sure.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm. Thank you for saying that you felt that way about Blythe. <laughs> I do. I do strongly.、Um, so I wonder. Why are you writing this book? Did you was the experience like you just put all your biggest fear, you know, into this box and then package it, and then so you don't have to think about it?、Um, because as as an interview, you also talk about personally as a mother, you didn't actually have to go through、um, darkness like that to that extent. Yeah, I think you know, I think I've always. Been a person whose mind has gone to dark places. I think I don't. I feel like I've always been. Yeah, I think I remember like even being younger, like even being a little girl, and feeling like always attracted to、um, those darker things, or you know, letting my mind kind of go there, almost to the point where I would scare myself. You know, I was a very, I was sort of, I had a very wandering mind and had a very active imagination.、Um, But always in that direction, and so looking back now, you know, it doesn't surprise me that this book is so dark because it's sort of, even though you know, I wouldn't consider myself to be like a dark kind of person, but I think,、um, yeah, I don't know. I think I've always found some kind of satisfaction in thinking through like the worst case scenarios or what. It, it is weirdly satisfying to me in a way to kind of let my mind think of the fears that I have.、Um, it's almost like. It's almost like kind of letting yourself go there. If you can put yourself in those shoes for even a few minutes and think about it, it becomes almost less scary to you after. You know, it's like almost like that exposure theory of therapy, I guess, like sort of exposing yourself to it so that it has less of an impact on you. And I sort of feel like sometimes writing is like that for me. I mean, I feel like I think you know, I think because this book is you know, so much about motherhood. I mean, it really is a book about motherhood and.、Um, And fear, you know, and the anxieties of it, and in a way, this book is sort of all of those fears about motherhood packaged, you know, into one woman's story. And 
Um, and yeah, I think that was just really enticing to me at the time of being a new mother when those fears were so fresh. And um, yeah, and I think I was sort of pushed to really go there. Do you remember where those fears were? I think the fears were, I mean, I think I could, you know, I could rattle them off to you, all, all of the fears about things that we fear as mothers. But, you know, I think it's that um, no, specifically about oh, you. Yeah, I think like I'm, that I wouldn't like it, you know, that it wasn't going to be something that was, um, it, that I was going to have regret, you know, that I was going to become a mother and wish that I hadn't for some reason, you know, that something was going to go wrong. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, I sort of, I wasn't worried about not loving my child. I felt like I would, that that wasn't so much a fear for me, although I think it is for other people. I, for me, it was more like I really liked who I was and I liked my life and I liked, you know, the things I – the pieces of my life that I had kind of put together and, and I could have gone on and been quite happy, I think, if I didn't have children. I really feel that way. I really feel like it's not something I needed to do, you know, to feel complete. Um so I was worried that I that I was going to regret it, and I you know I don't I didn't <laughs> thankfully, but I think that I you know I, I definitely feared that, and I think also um, you know I think a more common fear and a, a fear of mine for sure, and something I still think about is just that you know something will happen to the children, like something. It's like this safety thing. It's like it's how your mind you know almost has this constant. Um, spinning reel of like how to keep them safe and how to keep things okay. And how, I mean, you're nodding because I know you understand this too as a mother, but it's like, it's that. And I wanted to kind of totally, yeah. And I wanted to kind of, you know, go there and sort of get deeper into what that feels like um, and, and how you would cope with that. Like, how would you cope with, you know, the loss of a child? How would you cope with, um, you know, not feeling like the future you had with your child was just so different than the future that you hoped for or that you thought was going to make you happy. Like, I, I think, you know, in this book, Blythe has a daughter who, you know, she she does not like and she can't find love for, but also she doesn't believe her daughter is is a good person. You know, she doesn't believe her daughter is the kind of person that she can live with as a daughter. Like it, it is, she feels such disconnect from her. Um, and she really fears the kind of person that she is in the world and, and that what she is capable of. And I think that's a very, that's a very frightening thing, you know, to have such little control, I think, over these people that we bring into the world. You know, I think we go into motherhood feeling like we will have quite a bit of control. <laughs> you know, I really think we all do. I think we are used to control when we are, by the time we have our children. Um, and then, you know, we have them and we sort of feel like we can still heavily influence who they are and what life will be like. And I think the reality is that we really can't, you know. And so I so I think that those are all of the kinds of things, all of the fears um, that this book explores about what motherhood is and where I sort of wanted to go, you know, where I wanted to explore. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I just think because the, the person experience as a mother yourself, you could bring all these nuances um, onto the table to offer readers. You know, when I was reading mm -hmm. so many passages, I just keep nodding because the reliability, because I felt deeply mm -hmm. seen because uh, the thing I actually experienced was actually mm -hmm. listed in the book. Um, literally, <laughs> this particularly chapter uh, passage I'm going to read, I think it's so fascinating. I was a soldier executing a series of physical actions on a loop, changed the diaper, made a formula, warmed the bottle, poured the Cheerios, wipe up the mess, negotiate, beg, change his sleeper, get her clothes out, Where's the lunchbox? Bundle them up. Walk faster. We're late. Hug her goodbye. Push the swing. Find a lost mitten. Rub the pinched finger. Give him a snack. Get another bottle. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Um, well, this goes on and on. This chapter really, really is very interesting. Um, so can you tell me about your personal experience as a mother and as a writer who, you know, who wrote about motherhood as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, a lot of people have mentioned that chapter. Um, I think it really resonates with a lot of people, which is very nice to hear. But um, yeah, it is this chapter where, um, you know, she is 
it, it is the whole page, you know, or almost like two pages are sort of full with this list of the, the physical things that she needs to do to get through the day with two little kids, you know, and, and I think that that, that is a very, re- that is very much taken from, you know, my own experience to your point and just really looking at the day and thinking, wow, like literally from the moment the first person in this house wakes up until the moment the last person goes to bed, you know, you are, you are needed in this physical way that you have never been needed before. I mean, and, and I think when you have kids of a certain age, you know, you don't, you don't really feel like you're providing any emotional support for them in that way, other than, you know, the hugs and the, you scraped your knee and that sort of thing, but they are, they are really in their own world. And you are sort of just making sure that all the things happen that need to happen, you know, the feeding, the cleaning, the changing, that all of that. I, I hope that, you know, even people I think without children or partners or whoever who would read those pages would just look at that and, and it is not an exaggeration. <laughs> you know, that list is not an exaggeration. It's very accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, although it feel it might feel like it is, you know, if you haven't been through it. But um, yeah, I think that that was really pointing to, you know, something that I remember feeling, which was just how you know, you are, you are needed so physically and yet you, your body feels so tired and you don't, it's hard to see your body in the same way, but because it is just giving, 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 you know, and it almost feels like it's going to break down, you know, because you are t- physically exhausted. Um, but you just have to keep going. I mean, there is no pause. There is no, you know, there's no option to, to stop. Um, and so I, that's what I really wanted to capture there. And I think that, yeah, I think that there are many parts in this book, you know, many experiences on the page that I've been grateful to hear from readers resonated with them, although their experience isn't, you know, Blythe's experience as mine is not, but it's that, but there is a lot of commonality, I think, in this book with what motherhood is like every day, you know, for somebody. And that that's, I think, one of those scenes. And it was important for me to get those on the page as well and put those in this book as well so that readers could really have empathy for Blythe, you know, and mm-hmm. see themselves in her experience, although they might, you know, not have had the exact, you know, things happen plot wise, you know, shall we say. But yeah, that I, yeah, and there, there are other scenes like that too. And I think there was something quite, um, you know, cathartic about putting that kind of experience on the page and, um, drawing from my personal experience that way, in that way, definitely. Um, and, and the experience of just that, you know, the isolation, like I, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, I, I, Blythe is not diagnosed with postpartum depression in this book and I never was, I, I don't think I had postpartum depression, but, um, but a lot of people who have had postpartum depression have said to me, you know, they can really see their experience reflected in Blythe as well. Um, but I think what, you know, although I didn't have postpartum depression, I definitely had those dark days that I think so many of us do, you know, especially in that first year um, of feeling isolated and feeling lonely. And, you know, my son was very ill when, when he was in his first year of life. Like he became, he was became quite sick at two weeks old and, you know, sick enough that we had to take him to sick kids. And he was there for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Like we lived there in the hospital for, you know, most of the first few months of his life um, and were readmitted many times, you know, during that first year, year and a half. Um, And he was eventually diagnosed with a chronic illness. But those that was that really changed, you know, the expectation that I had of motherhood and what that experience was going to be like. And, um, you know, just that loss of control and not being able to provide in the way that you're supposed to be able to provide, you know, for your child. And, you know, we talked about that catastrophic thinking, you know, that idea that something bad is going to happen. And, and then at two weeks, something bad did happen, you know, and so it was sort of that I think a lot of that experience, um, you know, comes through on the page. I don't know that I, I don't know if I, if I didn't have that experience with my son, I don't know that I would have been able to, I don't know. I don't know if I could have gone to such dark places, you know, on the page, but I, but it, but it was very challenging, you know, those early times. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's interesting just that, yeah, that I think that's some connection to kind of that harder experience of motherhood that I've had myself that I could definitely draw on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Because that was actually my next question regarding um, your your son Mm -hmm. actually had a chronic illness. And I remember Mm -hmm. the early um, stage of newborn. It's like everything, all the very vividly actually remember, but not the moments for moments. Those those moments are gone, all like blurs now. But more like I remember Mm -hmm. I was lack of sleep, lack of control. Um, It was drowning guilt, doubts, shame sometime and it was just unbelievably hard and difficult so i can't even imagine at two weeks that you will actually you know 
have to encounter this fear of yours that your son became sick,、um, on top of the whole newborn difficult stage. So I wonder,、mm. you, you you touch a little bit upon, you know, you kind of had to go through that. Can you take us over there again? How did you guys find out he was sick, and、uh, what kind、yeah. of places you had to go through to actually drag yourself back? To reality, to to be strong in this situation, or or not strong, like how 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 did that all unfold? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's such a good question about、um, how do we get ourselves back to a good place? You know, it was. I think it was. Well, it's funny because so much of what you just said about everything being a blur. I mean, that time is very much a blur for me too. Like it, it is. It's like I, I. But I remember,、um, you know, thinking that. I didn't know if I could do it. Like I remember thinking, I don't. You know, I already I think had a bit of you know trepidation going into motherhood. You know, just as I said before, like was I going to like it? Was this going to be for me?、Um, and then I think when I realized, you know, how sick he was, I thought, I just remember thinking, I don't know if I'm cut out to be the mother of a child who is going to need me in this way. You know, and it it's it was it felt like.、Um, It felt like something that I was not going to be good at, and I I think that I, you know, had spent my whole life feeling like this, you know, achiever, like being an overachiever, feeling like I could be good at everything I ever wanted to do. I mean, I felt like I had that privilege, I had that,、um, you know, I got good grades and always got the job I wanted, and you know, worked hard, all of that,、um, and then I. And then I then up against this, I thought, okay, this is going to be the thing I can't do. You know, this is going to be the thing that I'm not going to be able to figure out because it felt so hard and so foreign and so insurmountable.、Um, and yeah, and so I think that that was really where I was at. Like that was where my mind was at. Was just like I, I you know, I, I I had had him in the world for two weeks, you know, and I I loved him dearly, and I felt that you know, and connection to him, and, and of course you would do any. I did feel like that, like you would do anything you can, you know, you would do whatever you had to do for this child. Like I really felt that and believed that, but then I also had this other voice in my head saying like. I don't know if you get like doubt, really doubting, you know, if I if I had it in me to do it. But then, of course, there's no other option. You know, of course, there is no option but to do it. And so, I think it's that fight with yourself internally about you know doubting what you can do and having to just figure out how to do it. And you know, there, yeah. So, and I just, I don't know. It was just such a surreal, strange time to be learning how to mother essentially within the walls of a hospital like that. Is you know, it was so. It was so jarring, and you know they were so wonderful. We were at Sick Kids, and it was just like a place I love, and it's so close to our heart, and it will be for a very long time. But it's,、um, but it was so, you know, you are. It's like you're handing your child. You feel so protective, and you're handing your child over to be poked and prodded, and for surgery and for needles and、um, all of that. And I that gave me a lot of anxiety. I went through a lot of anxiety.、Um, Which I had never had before. Like I literally had, I never experienced anxiety like that before. But even just having to watch him have blood taken or watch him have a, you know, lumbar puncture in his spine or all of these things that were happening like within the first, you know, twenty four hours of being there, I, I, it was just so difficult. So yeah, I think there was just a lot of that, a lot of doubt. And then I think you, and then I think as you know, you sort of start to accept what the situation is and you get more information and you figure out what life is going to look like for him and us and all of that.、Um, Then I think I sort of went into this. It it was it was a very isolating time. I mean, I have a wonderful family and an unbelievably you know supportive, warm, kind, thoughtful group of friends. You know who couldn't be better, really, and they were all so there for us, and so you know all of that. But despite all of that, it can still it still felt so isolating because. It doesn't feel like anyone really can understand, you know, what you're going through,、um, you know, and how different it is. And I remember, you know, getting together with friends who all had babies at the same time I did, and, you know, when when we were out of the hospital, and like, you know, my son had a feeding tube, he couldn't eat, he couldn't, he wasn't growing, he wasn't like there was, he had so many challenges, but I was trying to. Enjoy everything the way they were enjoying it, you know, and have those conversations about babies that we all have with our friends who have babies. And I just remember thinking, like, none of this matters to me. Like, the the gear doesn't matter, the whatever doesn't matter. Like, none of it. Like, the sleep schedule was just I couldn't even. I wasn't even in the same world as them, you know, being able to、mm-hmm. experience that or talk about that stuff because we were, you know, we were just so far. He had like there were so many issues that I think we had to overcome with him. But I remember, so I remember just feeling like you're surrounded by all these people and so much love. 
love and all these wonderful friendships, but you can still feel so lonely, you know, within that mm-hmm. experience. So, um, yeah, yeah it's very I think true. It's just time, you know, it's just time gets you over it. You know, time is just what makes everything start to feel better, I think. Yeah. And then you mentioned like your experience, like motherhood is such an interesting thing. It's like, it's very universal. A lot of things we as mothers share, but also Mm. very individual, like every case is very different. You could feel very connected to another mother on one case and then another situation could be completely different than leave you alone in this like very lonely space so it's a very interesting kind of Mm -hmm. dance between that the connection and then the isolation so i wonder totally how um, maybe in the beginning was all adrenaline that you had to figure out how to take Mm -hmm. care of this baby and then it was a very moment to moment kind of case scenario what at which point did you actually had to figure out yourself like a self like as an artist as a woman yeah what a good question to kind of fit into this whole new world now oh it's such a good question yeah you know i think what it was i think i i was very um you know it really it rocked it changed so much for me and it like rocked so much for me and i don't know I don't have anything to compare it to, you know, because he was my first. So I don't know if I would have still had these feelings if he had been, you know, healthy in that at the beginning. I don't know. Um, But but for me, I think maybe because I was so thrown by this, you know, and having to cope with it and how hard it was every day, um, I think I I really remember taking of like a hard look at, you know, who who I was, like who I really was, like what I really, who I really wanted to be in this world, you know? And I think that, I think that whether he was, you know, ill or not, I think that, you know, when you have this new human come into the world that you feel so responsible for and so connected to, and I, I remember thinking like, I really want to show up in this world as somebody who matters to him, you know, and who, and of course you always will, but someone who, someone who you are really proud of being, you know, somebody who you, I wanted to be who I really wanted to be in the world. And I, I, that's kind of the only way I can put it. And I, I did, I thought, you know, I had always thought I would go back to work. I was working in communicate, like, um, I was actually working at, in publishing at the time, but in like a publicity role. And before that I'd worked in PR and communications and, you know, had had this great career that I loved and that I felt so fulfilled by. And I remember thinking like, A, I probably wasn't going to go back to work, you know, because he had needs and I wanted to be there for him, you know, from that, that perspective, like from the health perspective, but also because I just didn't feel like that person anymore. You know, I really did. And I felt like, I just felt very changed. And, and I think I, just let myself listen to that creative part of me and to the part that wanted to write, you know, which is really, I think, who I've always felt like, but I have never really indulged her. You know, I have never really let her, you know, go for it and try and call herself, you know, I've never called myself a writer. I had never really talked to people about my writing. I had never let myself believe that it could be like a real thing, you know, in my life. And yeah, something about motherhood just sort of said to me like, it has to be now because this, if you really want to be who you are for this little boy, like if you really want to, then, then you, it has to be now, then you've got to go for it. Um, and so I think that that's where that came from. You know, I think that I, I did feel more creative than I ever had before and just indulged that part of myself, you know, for the first time to that level, like to, the, to that degree of feeling like, okay, I'm going to sit down and really write what I want to write. And I felt like I had something to say and it felt urgent. Like we talked about before, it felt very burning in me. Like there was that story there now. And so it all kind of came together. And yeah, I think that that's, I think so much of that time, I think because I felt like so much was out of my control with that early experience of motherhood and with those problems, you know, writing was something that I could do for myself, you know, to get some control back about who I felt like I was. And I was very fierce in protecting that. I protected those hours in the week. There weren't many of them. (laughs) There was like less than a handful of hours when I was writing at the beginning. Um, But I protected them fiercely. And I, they were the thing that was like the most important to me that week to do, you know, to like, to own those hours and get that done and feel satisfied by that. And so, yeah, I think, I think I just remember thinking like, okay, this is the time to really be who I want to be. And it just, I don't know, something about motherhood gave me the drive to do that or the courage to do it. I don't know. There was a courage associated with it. I think of, 
yeah, that's, that's kind of how it felt. And, you know, it's a privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You definitely feel like a catalyst um, for many of us in, in your yes. story as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, uh, the push being the debut novel that gained so much success, both like critically claimed and commercially celebrated. Um, it almost feels like you as a writer kind of pop out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> overnight. And then now it become <laughs> like on the New York Times bestsellers, best chart for all, all these weeks. So. It's obviously we know the, the overnight story doesn't exist. And your case certainly is not overnight. You were the published director at Penguin Canada, as you mentioned, for many years. Many books came to you, came and gone. In many interviews, you mentioned you have read so many books, different types of books. Um, and then also you shared you always want to be a writer. Um, so mm -hmm. even though you, you talk about kind of this role as a, a published director, gave you some fulfillment before. I almost feel like there was the shadow artist in you that you wanted to be closer yeah. to the artist you always wanted to be. So can sort of fulfill this dream of yours when you were a kid, but not really. That That's just how I feel. Was that the case you were saying? Yes, that's a, that's a very accurate way of putting it. Yeah, that really, really is. I think I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, I did always want to write and would have always, you know, have said that as a little girl that that's what I wanted to do and was always writing little books and always had stories in me. And um, yeah, and I think, you know, looking back, like I think I, even through, you know, university, I went to Western University and I studied the media and information technology course there, which I just loved. I loved that program and the people and um, that whole experience. And that, um, yeah, I think, you know, I wrote for, you know, the school paper and all that kind of stuff. Like I always was kind of looking for ways to kind of be closer to that. And But I think that for me, like sometimes I think, wow, like why didn't I, you know, study like literature or why didn't I start writing more seriously earlier or why didn't I, you know, pursue this er earlier? And I think, you know, there are all kinds of reasons, reasons that we've, you know, spoken about, about that urgency and, you know, it comes to you and it's time and all of that. But also I think that, I also grew up at a time where, or like in a, you know, in a family and in a, you know, community where I felt like I didn't really know anybody who pursued things creatively. Like I grew up in Newmarket, Ontario, and it was very like, tr very typical, traditional, like middle-class family. Um, you know, my parents both worked so hard um, and, you know, but, but the, but it wasn't, it was very, like, I feel like the narrative was very much like, you know, go to university and which neither of my parents did, nobody in my family ever had before. Um, and, you know, learn like be a critical thinker, learn all of that. But then you, but I always felt like I needed to and wanted to come out of that and like have a quote unquote job, you know, have a more traditional like career and a job where I could, you know, I'd always supported myself. I'd worked all the way through university to pay for tuition. And I, I it was very important to me to always have this like paycheck coming in because I, you know, had to pay for rent and had to pay all of this. And, and I think that um, that was always more important to me in those years than pursuing something creative. Like I, I wanted to support myself and have a job where I could make money, like enough money to pay rent or whatever. And so, and not worry about it. And I think that that's, and there was this appeal to me of this going into like a, you know, a business kind of a lifestyle, like go to an office every day and, you know, work for the next promotion. And that kind of mindset, I think a lot of people can kind of relate to that, you know, when you're in your twenties and, um, and so my life just kind of went in that direction. You know, I, that, I, I, it, I didn't see, you know, writing or pursuing a creative path, you know, at least certainly not professionally, like as an option. Um, although I think my parents would have been supportive of anything I did. I mean, my parents were so supportive. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I think that I think I kind of went that way. And then, but I was exactly what you're saying. I think I was always looking a I was always trying to find ways to get closer to that part of myself, like always trying to find ways to get closer to the creative writer in me. Um, look through all the, you know, night courses and I would take like writing courses at George Brown Community College and, you know, do all the, I was always looking to, to be in that world somehow. And then, yeah, I think that after having worked at, you know, PR agencies where you're working on like consumer marketing campaigns and big brands and, um, you know, you learn so much and the people were wonderful and I really loved it. But I could, all, I always knew it wasn't anything that was close to my heart. Like it wasn't speaking to me at all. It wasn't like fulfilling that part of me. Um, 
So, and then when this opportunity came up to work at Penguin Canada, you know, using the skills that I had, which was to do, you know, communications and PR and publicity, it was so exciting to me, you know, for those exact reasons that you just said, because it felt like I could be privy to that world that I really wanted to be in. You know, I could be privy to, you know, these incredible writers and the culture of it all. And, and I just loved that. I, I really did feel like a kid in a candy store when I went to work every day, you know, and it was so refreshing and so inspiring um, to be working with books all the time and working with authors all the time. And, you know, I didn't write, the writing fell away from me, you know, entirely during those years, not by not like consciously, but I just, I, I think I, to your point, like I was reading so much and I think I was probably quite intimidated, you know, by the authors and the writers. And so I just, I feel like I was just absorbing and learning and not really thinking about doing it myself at that time. Um, yeah. And, and so, but it did, I mean, looking back, like it was, it really, it's exactly what you said. It really helped me to get closer to that part of myself. And, and so it didn't probably feel like such a big leap to start writing, you know, when I was off with my son. Um, so it was a really interesting, powerful kind of stepping stone, I think, to, to actually writing myself. Yeah. I'm really grateful that I had that, that experience and that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder what, why you were reading all these books from other authors and writers, were any moments that make you think, oh, I I could be, you know, one of them, right? Like you you mm. you kind of fell off writing as you talk about, and then you didn't actually tip your toe into writing. So were any moments that you actually thought maybe you know could be something here, from not being a writer to actually have a creative life could be an option. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of what, like, what would have, you know, this is, it's not a very, um, like, it's not the perfect example because it wasn't fiction, but, but I remember being very inspired by Robin Doolittle, um, who I worked with her, um, for her book, Crazy Town. And she was a reporter at the Star at the time. Now she's a reporter at the Globe and Mail, um, an investigative journalist. But she, I remember working with her for when that book came out and thinking, I mean, I don't know if she would describe it as like a creative experience for her to write a book, you know, but she, because it's a very, obviously very different, the kind of book that she was writing, you know, putting together the the story about her investigation of um, Rob Ford and that whole administration and everything that was happening at the time. But, but I remember being inspired from the perspective of like, just, I think like the, the courage that she had to to do something different. And I remember like I was her publicist. And so I spent time with her and she was around my age. And, you know, I just remember thinking like, here is a woman who just went for it. You know, she didn't doubt herself. She didn't, she just, she didn't know how to write a book. She just went for it. Like she just saw an opportunity and wanted to do it. And she did it. And and she was, I, I remember her being, you know, she was under so much pressure at that time to like go on all these shows and the news. And she went to like, you know, she was on like late night television in the U S and all of these things. And she, she handled it all with such grace and such confidence. And I just remember thinking at the time, like, you know, even though what I wanted to do was very different, it was like, it, it, I just remember thinking, well, it's possible. Like it's, it's possible to, to, to like it, to do it, you know, and to do it well. And she really, yeah, there was something about that experience and working with her that I felt inspired by. Um, again, like different, it was different. It was like, you know, a different creative energy, I think, but yeah, that was really, I think, encouraging to kind of see that unfold mm-hmm. and be a part of that with her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then, yeah, really, I think it was really just about reading then, like you said, like just reading what far more widely than I ever had before reading books I would never pick up otherwise, and far more literary, far more commercial, um, sort of just getting a better understanding of the way a book can look and why books resonate and the kinds of all the different kinds of readers that are out there and the risks that re- that writers take and, you know, I was working on publishing at a time when all these new kind of categories of books were coming out, like that are so popular now still, like, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey had come out. And that was just this wild thing that you would, nobody would ever see coming. And, you know, mm-hmm. Gone Girl had already, was already out, but, the, but it had just come out, but also it was like Girl on the Train and, you know, all of these other books that were written by women 
about women's stories, that whole category of domestic fiction was really exploding, you know, when I was working in publishing and sort mm-hmm. of watching that happen, that that women's stories mattered and you know, even though they were focused on things like motherhood or marriage or the domestic life that they held weight with readers and publishers was really inspiring to see for sure. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think all of that, all of that, I think contributed to like wanting to do it and the way I did it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I'm going to wrap it up. But before we end here, I do want to ask one last question, um, kind of switch gear a little bit. I know you're writing your second book. So I wonder what's the experience like, um, it may be similar or different than writing the push because you, you know, now it's the, during the pandemic. I assume that you will have to stay home. So can you tell me more about the experience like writing your second book now? You know, it's such, it's been a very different experience writing the second book in so many ways <laughs> because you mentioned the pandemic and yeah, it's really, I think I, you know, over the several years that I was writing the push, um, I always wrote outside of the house and I, I, I really love writing in public. I like writing in coffee shops and libraries and, um, airplanes and, you know, any, anywhere that is not home. I never wrote at home and I really felt sort of stifled at home. And, um, I think at that, you know, I, that was because I had babies, you know, young babies at home and it just felt hard to write here. And so being out of the house was, you know, just more conducive to that. But also there's just the energy of, of the white noise of the public and eavesdropping on a conversation at the table next to you and, um, all of that, like people all watching. of the atmosphere, <laughs> people watching. I really miss people watching, like all of that. I, you know, really, I think made writing so enjoyable in so many ways for me and was I found just sort of inspiration from it in general um and so it's been very different um you know writing the second book being in this exact spot where I'm talking to you now just here at this kitchen table um and not being able to rely on all of that other stuff that kind of makes the ideas flow um so that yeah that's been challenging and then I think just the time um you know, as once my kids were sort of in childcare and went to you know preschool and then junior kindergarten, like I, I you know, I started having these nice big <laughs> open days that felt like absolute gifts of time. You know, to be re- working and writing, and there was a very lovely few months where I would drop both of them off at their respective places and then have from like you know nine thirty to two thirty basically to write to write, and I would just beeline it to a coffee shop and just all day, you know, work. And I love that. That, that. that feels so indulgent now. I mean, that feels like I will, you will never get that back now. You know, it feels like a whole other world. Um, but that was really a gift and like a privilege to have that time to create. That was really, truly um, a privilege, you know, to, to be able to have that time as a writer. And so I don't know. Yeah. Now life just feels different. Like now, you know, I've through this book, I get up at 5 a.m. to write because that's the quietest time and the best time that I can think and just basically write until a child wakes up <laughs> in the morning. Um, and then after that, yeah, now it's been harder to find that time. So, but I think I've probably just learned to get less precious about it. Like just, I've sort of learned to just write whenever I can write. And that's probably a good thing um, for productivity at least. <laughs> um, so that, so that the circumstances of writing the books, you know, have been very different. But in addition to that, I think, and you know, you hear people talk about this all the time and it is just so true. It's just, you know, when you're, when you're writing the first book or whatever you're doing, making the first album, doing the first anything, um, there are so few expectations of you. You are not really writing for anybody but yourself. Like, of course you want to be read, you know, I wanted to have readers, but I did, I did not know who those readers would be or if there would ever be be readers or I really was just writing for myself, you know, to tell the story that I wanted to tell. And, um, the second book is just different. I mean, I had the idea for the second book way, you know, long before these books were sold to publishers. Like I've always been sitting on this second idea too, and I love it just as much and I feel just as passionate about it. Um, but the actual writing of it, I mean, there, it's impossible to take the voices out of your head that, people have about the first book, about the push. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I really find myself having to really quiet those voices and really let go of them. 
and really just, um, you know, try to get rid of all those inhibitions that I think, um, you know, you know, I, I, I am in the very fortunate position of knowing that people will read this next book <laughs> and it's a strange place to be in. It's a strange place to be writing from. So yeah, there's that. Um, and just feeling yeah. like, but I imagine it's also so much pressure as well. Pressure. There's pressure not to disappoint people, I think is what the pressure is. You know, you yeah. don't want to disappoint yeah. your publishers <laughs> certainly, you know, but you, but you don't want to disappoint readers like mostly, you know, you mostly just don't want reader. I, I think like, I don't want readers who love the push to be disappointed with the second book um, or feel like it is too different. I mean, it is, it is a bit of a different book. Any fear that you might disappoint yourself? Yeah. The disappointing yourself piece is interesting because it's, yeah, I think, I think it's the second guessing and the, um, just this idea of this imposter syndrome, you know, like, could you, can you do it twice? Like, are you, was it, was it just luck the first time? And do you have it in you to do it again? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think that must be, because this book has gained so much success, right? And then I, I just can't imagine of, um, yeah, doing it for the second time that as you talk about, there's like expectations, there's pressure, like how can you, how can you kind of cry those noises and then create and then really, because sometimes you, you work on a book and then the book has sold really well. And then you kind of, kind of want to repeat the things that are, mm -hmm. you know, generating the, the, the celebrations, right? But at the same time, you yeah. also wanted to push yourself out of the comfort zone as a writer, as, as an artist. And you also have gained so many different new perspectives now as a person and women and as an artist after all these years, because that book was a few years ago. So it's like, yeah, it's a very interesting dance. You have to kind of put it a, a, almost a performance, right? Yeah, you've really captured it perfectly. I think that's exactly it, is that um, it, that, that's, that's perfectly said. It's like you have new things you want to say and new things you want to write about and new experiences to bring to the page, you know, as, as a writer. Um, you learn a lot through the first process of, you know, through the, the process of writing a first book, you know, all the way through. And so, yeah, you, you sit down to write the book as a different person in a way, like a, you know, a person that has evolved or changed. Um, so that's, it's different. It's just a whole different experience for sure that way. And yeah, I think that there's, you know, things about the push that I feel like I will always emulate as a writer, like that, that will always just be a part of the way I write. And so that will probably show up in every book, but the push was also just such a specific story at a very specific time in my life. And so, you know, the next book I write is just bound to be different, you know, and it's a just, yeah. I think, a matter of, do readers still like that or does that still resonate? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you just have to follow you, you. I think you always have to just try to be writing the book you want to write, you know, and not trying to write to fit what the other book was or what you think people will expect of you. And that's definitely easier said than done, but it's a good guiding way to kind of think about your writing is just write the story that is that you really want to tell you know and you have to kind of defend that to yourself sometimes you know really defend that when you start to feel like you're wavering from that I think I really learned that with the push you know I really learned that that was a real takeaway from me is just really writing the story I wanted to tell even though I was worried it was going to be not a big enough story or too small or too much about motherhood or too dark or too intimate um so I'm trying and, and I'm so I'm trying to just be true to the kind of writing I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I lied. I promise this will be the last question. That, um, no rush, I promise. Okay. I promise. So because um, like, it really reminded me of this um, scene that you kind of pictured for me when you um, were talking about it in, in an interview. That really reminded me and I wanted to kind of explore with you that when you were before you start to really put a uh, pen on paper, writing the push that you had your son and then you, I remember vividly, but not maybe not accurately that you were talking about, <laughs> yeah. you're holding your son, you're, and then you see this um, very celebrated writer that crossed oh, yes. the street on a window yeah. writing. And then you were just thinking, oh my God, how, when am I ever going to have the time for myself to write? You have this like yes. urge and then this like, each itch in your, your, your body as a writer trying to, you know, create, but at the same time, you have a responsibility right in your arm, literally. So yeah, can yes. you take us back to that moment? Cause I just love it so much because it resonates so much with me. 
Oh, thank you. No, thank you for bringing that up. Yes, that's um, it's so true. You 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 do remember it accurately. That is vivid and accurate. So. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> good. So yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if I remember it vividly because I created the memories in my own head, or actually was you know drawn from reality. Oh, that's so funny. But, okay. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, it was when I had my daughter. That that was when I had my daughter. Um, so I had this you know two and a half year old on this newborn, and so I I was writing like I had already had a draft of the push done, and but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't what I wanted it to be. I was going back. I needed to go back and do a huge revision on it. At that time, I just, I knew I did. I knew it wasn't exactly the book I wanted it to be. You know, speaking of that, um, but I had something to work with, and I sort of had this taste of what it could feel like to be able to, you know, to do this. And, and I did, I, I, it's still the house I live in now, but although this writer is, I don't think lives there anymore, but right across the street was this very celebrated Canadian writer, woman, um, and who doesn't have children. And are we, op- are um, we, are we okay to share her name or? I don't know. I, I, I'm sure I can, although I feel it's, it was Sheila Hetty. <laughs> so I feel, okay. I feel bad. Saying I actually thought about her. Anymore, so I feel I like actually, I that was that. the oh, name pop into my head. That's so funny. If she still lived there, I wouldn't yes, say it because yes. I feel like that's not fair to her, but I, th- I don't think she lives there anymore. But, but, and I, I was reading, actually, I was reading Motherhood. I don't know if you've read her book, Motherhood, mm-hmm. yes, but yes. it is an exploration of the decision of whether or not to have children. And I just think it's a brilliant book. I love it. Um, I was like hanging on every page and every word. I mean, I just think she's such an incredible writer, but that book really spoke to me. I really like that book really was meaningful to me. And it came out around that time that I had my daughter. I had a copy of it around that time. And so I remember I had like read that book and I remember I was like working on the push and I had my daughter. She was the early days where they're still up every three or four hours, you know, nursing and just no one sleeping. And I remember like exactly that, like looking out my window at night and, you know, trying to put her back to sleep and being exhausted and seeing Sheila's light on in her house in what I assume is her office, you know, who knows. But I just remember so many nights looking out and seeing that and thinking she's there sitting at that desk, you know, writing into the night and she's got all of this time to write and she's written this book about whether or not to do it. And she's decided not to. And I decided I was going to, you know, I've got these two children and it just, I just felt so far away from her. I felt, I was staring, you know, across the street at her house thinking I am so far away from being able to create like she does, you know, then, then, then I will never have the time and the energy she does. I will never have, I just remember feeling so just like defeated <laughs> by it all, by this tiny little baby and the months I had ahead of me where I probably wouldn't even open my laptop, you know? And so, yeah, that was a, I, that was such a, it's such a visceral memory for me too, kind of thinking that and then sort of, you know, yeah, seeing her kind of over there working away and <laughs> me feeling like, you know, I, I don't know if I could ever finish this book. Um, so it's funny. Yeah, it is funny. I'll, I'll always remember that. I'll always remember what that felt like. And those nights of kind of looking out, you know, into the night through the curtains and seeing her second floor window on or or light on, (laughs) which is kind of creepy. It's a little voyeuristic, but um, (laughs) I feel like it could be a part of a scene in your book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's funny. Um, I think that's it. I hope she never hears that story. I hope she never knows that I did that. I'm sure she she'll be honored to hear that. Like your your book is amazing. I'm sure she will be, you know, very honored to hear that. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. I I could probably keep talking to you over and over. I just feel like there's oh, so Sasha, many. Thank you. Your mind is brilliant. This has been such a love. Oh, this has been such a lovely conversation, and you have asked such thoughtful questions. Truly, like I could just talk all day. <laughs> me so nice. too. Me too. I just want to dig your brain and then to kind of like live in your brain for a few hours and then just really to see. <laughs> You know, your fascinating mind is very interesting. Um, so I really looking forward to your second book. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you could head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to give us a review or comment, that would be great. If you're interested, sign up to our Substack letter. I will link the link in the show note as well. As always, thank you so much, and I will see you next week. 